You're listening to Spoonie Tea Time, where we talk about faith, books, and chronic illness. I'm Holly Conklin. I was diagnosed with arthritis shortly after graduating university, and this radically shaped my life, my faith, and my way of interacting with the world. Join me for a glimpse into the life of the chronically ill. A few months ago now, I deactivated my Facebook account. I never liked the platform all that much to begin with, and I guess they just started pushing a few too many buttons, making some pretty questionable business choices, and I didn't use it too much to begin with, so it wasn't really a big deal for me to stick it to the man and deactivate it for a while. May I just say, it was a magical time. I loved having it deactivated. It felt so freeing not to have to pay attention to what other people are doing, to all these insane news stories they share and depressing sentiments and the ads and the notifications and it was all gone for months. Ugh, I loved it. Alas, all good things come to an end and I reactivated it recently. I knew I'd have to return eventually as a content creator. I kind of need to be putting myself out there, and Facebook is still the best platform for that, so I finally caved, and there is now a Spoonie Tea Time Facebook page, which you should totally follow. You can find it at facebook.com slash Time. Feel free to like everything I ever post and share it with everyone, and give it a five-star rating and all that. Or if you do just one of those things, it will still make me happy. While on the topic of spreading the word about your favorite podcast, of which this is totally one, I'm sure, I'd like to take a moment to plug one of my top podcasts, Amon Sewell by my favorite podcaster, Father Andrew Stephen Damick. Amon Sewell is a podcast on Tolkien and Christianity, and it is fantastic. If you appreciate Lord of the Rings and the Cimmerillion and all that at all, you may want to check it out. And the reason I bring it up is because there's actually a conference run by the podcasters coming up May 7th and 8th. That's a Friday and a Saturday, and the title is Doximut Online, Tolkien Enchantment and the Christian Life. I'm kind of excited about it because I love these people and what they have to say. The Friday event is free, but if you want to join for the whole thing, it's $30, and you gotta get your ticket by May 5th. So I will link to that in the show description and probably post a link in the Facebook page as well because I have that now. It is, of course, all online because we're trying to be legal here. So you may as well at least check out the Friday one. Free, online, don't have to leave your house can't get much easier than that. Up until now, I've been pretty much exclusively talking about audiobooks because, as I've mentioned, I've had some difficulties with my hands and got in the habit of listening to books instead of reading them because listening does not cause pain in any way so far. It's been exciting for me to suddenly have use of my hands again, and I'm taking advantage of that by reading some of the books that don't have audio versions, like Thrive, A Guide to Life's Journey, written by Randy Conklin and Noah Bolander. 
And yes, I did say Conklin. Randy is my brother, and I've known Noah for a while now too, so I was pretty happy to finally get to read the finished product. I read some early drafts years and years ago. They've been working on this for a long time. It was finally released to the public in 2019, and I finally got to read it with my own hands. Yay! The book is designed to be a practical and engaging guide to teenagers mostly, but I guess young people in general who are just trying to live the best life and not getting information on how to do that from the school system. The reality is our education system does not really prepare kids to go out into the world and live good lives and make smart choices and not go into massive amounts of student debt for degrees that don't do anything for them. At least we're pretty bad at that here in Canada. The States does not sound any better from what I have heard. So not too long after graduating high school themselves, Randy and Noah sat down and decided to write their own book that provides all this information they wish they had a few years ago before graduating. Rather than be daunted by their own youth, they decided to use that for their advantage and wrote this book by young people for young people. So yeah, it's practical and informative, but it's also written by people who aren't much older than the intended audience, who really get what they're going through and are living that experience with them. So it ends up being pretty easy to read. One of the things I really appreciated about the book is that it takes a more holistic, bottoms-up view of the human experience. A lot of other books would jump straight into, save your money because that's good, everyone wants money. But Randy and Noah start from the roots of everything, and they do actually use that metaphor of a tree, that if you don't have solid roots, if you don't know what you believe and what your purpose is, everything else isn't going to be nearly as fruitful or purposeful. And so the book does start with encouraging people and giving good reasons for this to explore the meaning of life and really think about what their purpose is. And once we have an understanding of our purpose, our roots, we can then think of goals that fit within that and how to prioritize and make those dreams a reality. It does a good job of establishing a big picture context and then going into the details of that. So how do we think about finances? Should you go to college or not? How do we go about our relationships, romantic or otherwise? I think I would have personally really enjoyed this book as a teenager, partly because all these topics were things I was interested in. I wanted to live the best life I could and think about relationships and finances well and all that, but it's kind of intimidating to figure these things out yourself. And although there are many books about finances and relationships, as a teenager, I have a lot of other things to read for school. I don't necessarily want to pick up a whole book on investing or whatever, but I can pick up one simple, easy-to-read book that covers the basics of all the most important things that I want to be thinking about in a way that's relatable. 
But I think even as an adult, I got a decent amount out of it. Randy and Noah are both really smart people. Randy is just finishing his PhD in physics at University of Toronto, which is one of the best, if not the best, universities in the country. And Noah is just amazingly well-read. I've read some of his other works too, and I don't know how he knows so much stuff or how young he is, but he is such a go-getter, constantly looking to improve himself, and again, knows so much on a wide variety of topics. And I think this grants them the ability to, although they were quite young when they wrote the books, to have a very intelligent and thoughtful approach to it. I found myself learning some interesting facts, and it was also a good opportunity to just sit down and think about my life again. For example, this is the first time in a while that I've wanted to dream big again, and it's partly because of Thrive. As a Spoonie, a lot of us, I think, learn not to dream. I know for me, my life has been so uncertain these last few years. Every time I come up with a new idea for something I might be able to do, my symptoms change and that's taken from me too. And it's so easy to just accept things the way they are and not try to move forward and dream big. And I mean, for me, dreaming big might mean something different than for a healthy person, but that's okay. It means a lot to have anything to work toward beyond just getting my health in order. And I guess Thrive gave me the motivation to not give up and to keep trying to find things that are meaningful, that work with who I am, and that I can keep pursuing no matter how many times I fall down. Today's main topic is a continuation of our unofficial series on joy in suffering, in which I talk about all the wonderful ways chronic illness transforms us into who we are meant to be, to make us more human, to make us more like Christ, who is the epitome of humanity, and ultimately makes us more alive and joyful. Or at least suffering has all these potentials. Of course, you can become a worse person through your suffering, which I hope that's not the case for any of you. But the reality is when we let him, God transforms us through our suffering. And that's a more glorious destiny than any of us can imagine. I talked about that a bit more in the last two episodes. And today I'm going to talk about another way that my chronic illness has been shaping me for the better, at least so I hope. And that's by helping me be a less slothful person. If you're familiar with Full Metal Alchemist and or Catholicism, then you know that sloth isn't just an animal that's adorable and lovely and also kind of my spirit animal, but it's one of the seven deadly sins. Keyword being deadly, it's not something that's at all good for you. It slowly destroys us inside and out. And it plagues our society more than perhaps any other sin at this point in time. Yet, most people, I don't think, really have an understanding of what it is. And that's partly because it's kind of hard to define and describe. When we think of sin, we usually think of an action. Murder is pretty easy to spot, but sloth is kind of 
the opposite in that it's a sin of inaction, of not wanting to do what you're supposed to do. It's a translation of a Latin word, acidia, which means without care, and that's also the term I'm going to be using going forward. It's got a little less baggage and association than the term sloth, and also the people I've been listening to and following tend to use the term acidia as well. Acedia is a term that is notoriously hard to put your finger on a definition because it can resemble so many different things. It often gets confused with depression and it's associated with despondency and can be associated with not only being lazy and not doing anything, but also obsessively doing a whole bunch of things at once. It's often referred to as the noonday demon, which I appreciate because it sounds scary. And it is scary. It's something that's out to get to us and will devour us if we don't fight back. And apparently it often does this around noonday when we just start feeling more lethargic and like we don't want to do anything else ever again. My personal favorite way of describing it comes from a recent YouTube video by Jonathan Pajot, and I will be linking to the specific part where he starts talking about acedia in the show description, but he basically talks about it as the sin of inattentiveness. Kind of this inability to stay in the moment, this desire to be almost anywhere else, and this lethargy not wanting to do the things that maybe you should do. This video hit me hard because it is so relatable and I'm imagining it's very relatable to all of you and it's relatable to Jonathan Pajot as well. He talks about, you know, obsessively scrolling through your phone, that's acedia. Sitting there flipping through channels not knowing what you want to watch, that's acedia. Checking your notifications every second that you have a moment of silence, that's acedia. It's the inability to be quiet and patient and just be. This is something I have always struggled with. I've always been a daydreamer. I've never really enjoyed being in the moment. I'm always thinking about 20 things at once and if I had silence or spare time, I would fill it with something, often music. But it was very rare for me to be just still and silent and paying attention to the world around me and being in the moment. Related to this, I have had a couple difficult spells of depression. Depression isn't precisely the same thing, but it is connected. When you're depressed, you tend to not be in the moment at all. You're thinking about how horrible the future is going to be. And as with acedia, you are not motivated to do the things that you should probably be doing or even want to be doing. And I've always been kind of susceptible to that so far as I can remember. Apathy is always knocking at my door, and if I let it in, it slowly destroys me and eats me away and all my motivation and cares. For a long time, I don't think I really understood how to address this, and I think that's partly because I didn't understand that it was a thing that needed to be addressed. Before I started engaging with more traditional Christianity, I never heard anyone really talk much about sloth. I mean, of course, there's a sense that you shouldn't be lazy, but that's not quite the same thing as acedia. Again, acedia can manifest itself as being a busybody, just being very distracted and doing 20 things at once instead of just doing what's in front of you well. 
This may seem a little ironic, but I do think it was, again, my chronic illness that helped me start moving past this slothfulness. And that's because the solution to acedia, from what I've gathered, is quiet and patience and prayer and, again, being in the moment. And how hard is it to do these things when you have 20 other things you want to be doing and that you're capable of doing? Before I was sick, I was always thinking about the next exam or the next job application or what's going on in that game that I'm playing. Did I mention I get a little obsessive about games? But then suddenly, in a relatively short period of time, I didn't have any of that. I couldn't play games, which is my chief source of obsession. I wasn't in school anymore, so no exams to stress out about. And I couldn't apply for jobs until I knew what was going on with me and how to not permanently damage myself by working. Of course, even after all that started happening, I was still desperately clinging to ways to distract myself. I kept trying to find ways to play video games even though I was slowly losing functionality in my hands. And when that didn't work as well as I hoped, I watched TV. And I watched a lot of TV. It took me a long time to start figuring out more activities that I could do. As you know, I now listen to a lot of audiobooks and podcasts, but at the start, I didn't really do that. I liked my physical books and podcasts and audiobooks weren't really on my radar, so TV it was. When TV is the only thing that you know how to do, it doesn't take very long to get old. And eventually I learned that the sooner I started watching TV, the sooner I would hit that part in the day where I just was bored with it and didn't have squat to do. So until I started figuring out how to be a bit more productive with my time and have a bit more variety in my day, I got to the point where I learned to just be so slow with everything. I wasn't worried about getting up on time because the sooner I got up, the sooner I would hit that part of the day where I just had nothing to do and I was bored out of my mind. So I learned to be slow. Why rush getting ready or eating your food when you don't have anything to do in the day? Which was very hard to adjust to. But I think it taught me a lot, especially since I had the added bonus of not really being able to use my phone all that much. Normally, if my day started slowing down and I was getting bored, I would naturally go to my phone and start scrolling through things or reading something or playing a game or whatever it was. But for the first time in a long time, I didn't have any of that. So I learned things. I learned to sit outside and just watch the grass and the trees and the squirrels and breathe the fresh air and feel the grass under my feet and enjoy whatever adorable or hilarious thing my cats are doing at the time. And these were things that I could have benefited from years ago, but I never would have put the effort into learning how to do that. Why would I when there were books to read and games to play and social media to obsessively scroll? This may seem strange, but I think in many ways since developing a chronic illness, I have become less susceptible to depression and apathy than ever before. Of course, there are multiple reasons for this, and I'm not even going to be aware of all of them, but I think part of it is that 
my arthritis has forced me to slow down and that this one thing has opened so many doors. Not just learning to be more in the moment and appreciate nature and the world around me, but also providing me more time and motivation to learn to pray more often and engage with beautiful and important truths through podcasts or books or whatever. But now that I'm doing a lot better in some ways, in particular in gaining my hands back, I realize I have to be very careful to preserve what I've learned. When listening to that Pajot video, I was like, oh my gosh, I used to not do this. There was a time in my life where I couldn't obsessively check my notifications and it was beautiful. It was so helpful. When I didn't have my hands, I kept hearing from people who were just so anxious about their phones and wanted to get away from them and all the social media insanity. And a lot of people really struggle with this, and I'm kind of thankful that I had a period in my life where it wasn't an option for me. I didn't really have to wrestle with this, it was just the reality of my life that I couldn't touch my phone. And frankly, I think some people may have been a bit jealous of that because, again, so many people want to get away from all this noise and I'm like, ah, I'm done. I'm just in my own little world and it is fantastic here, other than the being chronically ill and falling apart part, but, you know, silver linings, right? But I noticed that as soon as I was able to start using my phone again, I was almost instantly hooked on it. And once again, every time there was a little bit of silent space, oh, phone's out, gotta look at something. It was almost disturbing and I was a little disappointed. I was like, oh, all this hard work, all this peace, and now it's just going out the window as soon as my health is a little better. So moving forward, I'm having to learn how to balance again, which, well... Not again, I've never been good at balancing, but I've lived through both extremes now of being constantly distracted, of doing multiple things at once, and of doing basically nothing at all ever. And I do mean that, like I would legit just stare at a wall for half an hour at a time or what have you. But now I gotta learn that old moderation thing, which is the hardest but I am thankful for that extreme experience because I can now remind myself of what it's like to not be attached to these things and I can find spaces in my day where I deliberately unplug. I like to think I'm more balanced than I used to be, but it's going to be a challenge moving forward, especially now that I'm more active on social media for the purpose of promoting my work. I can no longer totally justify deactivating my Facebook account, even though it was beautiful. But I believe there is a way to be on there without letting it control me and without becoming once again a slave to these things. And that's all I have for you today on the topic of acedia. But if you would like to delve deeper with people who actually know what they're talking about... I have some recommendations, which again, I will link in the show description and likely in the Facebook page. Dr. Nicole Rokas has probably the most popular book I know of on the topic, Time and Despondency, which I think does a decent job of translating ancient wisdom into a modern context. And Deacon Michael Hyatt, who is another one of my favorite podcasters, does a series on this book, which I would possibly recommend even more so than the book itself, 
partially because it's free. So if you like that, then you can always pick up the book later. Or if you hate it, then you didn't waste your money. If you do check out any of these resources, I would love to hear what you think of them. You can reach me through my website, link in the show description, or yeah, on Facebook or Instagram. Technically, I'm also on Twitter, just very sparsely. Search for me at Spoonie Tea Time on any of those platforms, and I look forward to hearing from you. And that's all for today. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear and want to support more content like this, you can do so financially at buymeacoffee.com slash time. You can also help out by giving us a rating and a review on iTunes or your chosen podcast platform. Until next time, rest hard and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.